number eight, so the eighth one. Um, they have proven to be uh, a lot of fun, uh, interesting, informative, some would say controversial, um, but the bulk of the feedback that I've received from most of you is uh, incredibly, incredibly helpful um, to navigate through some of the spaces that you guys find yourself, whether you live, work, and play, to be able to engage in a number of things that we already know people are talking about, but now feeling like maybe I'm a little bit more equipped uh, to enter into those conversations and to be beneficial. All right, and so uh, if this is your first L'Qutla, and I see uh, some of you in here, this is your first one, you're probably wondering what does L'Qutla mean. It is a Sutu, Sutu or Tswana word, depending on uh, where you land. Uh, because I'm Tswana, I believe it's a Tswana word, uh, and we'll own it. Uh, and basically, it describes a, a court, if you will, a gathering where uh, the people would show up, right? So the folks in that particular village would come knowing that it's a safe place, it's a safe space where people can engage, uh, and often over controversial issues. Um, a great place to see it, uh, other than an actual Lekhutla, if you go to one, would be in the movie A United Kingdom. Uh, if you have not seen it, shame on you. It's a story about Botswana's uh, first president, and uh, you get to actually see a Lokotla in action. Um, and it's quite beautiful in that in that place, in that space, uh, the chief right, is seen as an equal. Uh, his title is not removed from him, but he's seen as an equal. And so anyone in that space knows that, hey, if I have something against him, I can speak out. Uh, and I will be heard. And so that's what we're trying to create in this Lakotla, in these times. And, uh, and we really believe at Rooted Fellowship uh, that the, the greatest of war is that of words. All right? Another way to say it is most wars will begin with words. Uh, and maybe people just miss one another. Maybe people are saying hurtful things. Maybe people are saying things out of fear. And so we're going, well, let's, let's look at the other side of the coin with that. Let's use those words and try to hopefully build, right? Build into other people, build into our context, our society, our city, our country, and beyond. All right? So that's uh, the vision behind why we do Lokotlas. Now, I'm going to run quickly through how the format's going to look. Uh, I'm going to introduce our speaker. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit about the topic for tonight. Uh, and then she will uh, engage us. Uh, and then after her presentation, we'll open up for Q&A. What we normally do is we'll throw up a number on the screen and have you text uh, or WhatsApp the question. That's uh, when we've had super, super controversial topics where people feel like, oh, if I ask that question, will I be perceived as X, Y, Z? All right, and then we've had some of the topics where it's like, no, it's, it's, I think it'll be okay. Right? Uh, I think it'll be all right. Let's have a roaming mic and have folks just raise their hands and engage. And so we're going to do that tonight. Right? I know the topic, it could land anywhere, but uh, most of us felt like it was okay enough for us to go, hey, here's, uh, I have a friend. Right? So I have a friend. Uh, you can definitely use that one tonight. Uh, and then we'll have a mic roaming around, and then hopefully we'll continue to engage meaningfully that way. Okay? Is that cool? Everyone happy? Cool. Great. So... If you've been coming to church uh, regularly on Sunday, you would know that tonight's topic we've titled uh, Brokenness, all right, Brokenness, and then under that we've called it The Common Room, and here's why. Uh, we believe that all of us uh, are broken. All of us are imperfect. Uh, this is what we talk about regularly on a Sunday. We say that uh, this is a safe place for you to come and be not okay, 
right? It's okay to not be okay um, because all of us are broken. It's the, what, the common denominator, and so if that's the case, then this place should be seen as uh, the common room, uh, the one thing that all of us share. And so the question is, how do we navigate through that brokenness, right? How, how do we uh, move through those spaces to ensure that we get to a place of health, not just for ourselves, but for those around us? All right, and I know it's a tough topic uh, because no one loves to be vulnerable. Um, we don't want to. We don't want people to see us for who we are. Uh, but there's something beautiful about opening up, uh, especially in a safe space and receiving some form of healing. And so hopefully tonight we'll get to hear a little bit more about that. And so uh, before I call up our speaker, let me intro her a little bit. Uh, Wendy Lee Gravenstein. Did, did, I, did I nail it? Let me ask... The, the, oh, really? Guys, transcultural, guys. Um, he's, you can take a picture if you want. <laughs> um, so, Winnie Lee's been married to uh, Jan for 12 years, and uh, together they have four children. And, um, and she'll, but she'll come up and share a whole lot more about that. Uh, she is a PhD uh, candidate. Is that the correct way to say it? In clinical psychology. Uh, she also does run her own practice. Um, but I think more important is she loves the Lord. She really does. And, uh, and so as she navigates uh, through broken spaces with people, uh, her heart is uh, to be driven by the Lord, um, to guide people, and hopefully that through her and her work that they would see more and more of Christ. And so that, that brings me great joy to know that, look, we're going to talk about some issues and some, some pretty uh, tough issues, all right? but to know that the spirit of it all is driven by the Lord and is gospel-centered. Um, and so uh, I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited. And so with that, I'd love to call Wendy Lee up. And, uh, and I'm going to pray for you. Um, please join me as, as we pray for her and, and pray for our time together. Cool. Father, we are incredibly thankful um, for who you are. I just want to take this opportunity to acknowledge uh, just your presence, um, to acknowledge that you are seated on your throne fully in control, something that many of us, including myself, wrestle with, especially in times of trial, in times uh, of difficulties and challenges. Um, I sometimes find myself staring to the heavens with uh, my fist in the air and asking, how dare you? Um, and so, Lord, help us tonight. Help us uh, to see that you are uh, a good God. You're a good Father. You are loving and caring and compassionate and merciful and gracious. Um, and so, Lord, I'm asking that you would meet us where we are. Uh, I'm not foolish to think that folks in here uh, are struggling. They are. Um, if we were honest with one another, we'd be able to say, I'm, I'm going through something. And so, Lord, I ask that you would meet us, that your spirit would meet us where we are. I'm asking for a great move of the Holy Spirit to soften hearts, to open them up and make them receptive to you. I pray for Wendy and that she would be a vessel, that she would be your instrument and that you would speak through her in a powerful way. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And would you show us yet again this evening our desperate need for you? In Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Can I, can you put the things on for me? Thanks. Thanks, One, and thank you to all of you for um, having me here this evening. I am extremely excited to be able to share because I'm passionate about what I do, and I'm passionate about 
as Ole said about the Lord and how we put these things together. So in my work as a, as a clinical psychologist, um, Ole, you said, just finding you, that I work in places of brokenness and that's a, it's a beautiful way of saying it, but I have chosen a different word when I work with people and I say to them, you have allowed me into a very sacred space. Because when you come into my office and you sit with me and you bear your soul and your pain, that's an immense privilege for me to be allowed into that space. So it's a sacred space and I, I want to treat it as such even when I get to chat to you tonight. So because I'm a shrink, I'm a connector. So I don't want to stand up here if that's okay. Oh no, I want to stand where I can connect with you and where I can ask your opinion on something, I'm also going to use the roaming mic, and I, I want to do some demonstrations, for lack of a better word, because when we use pictures and analogies, which you are very good at, and um, when I move around the room, something amazing happens in the brain. Another part of your brain actually gets activated, and so you remember what I say because I put a picture with it, so that's going to be my intention tonight. Um, so let's start very interactively with the next slide. I want to ask you if you would be brave enough, and um, this is a, a space, I'm not sure how safe you all feel, so if you don't feel safe participating, that's okay, but if you do feel safe, then please join me in participating. I've called tonight Pots and Pebbles, and I know it doesn't make any sense right now. I really trust that it will make sense by the end of the time that I've shared with you. If it didn't, please let me know, because it means I radically need to change the way that I present things. But I thought I wanted to give a, a name to tonight that you could also take with you and remember for when times are difficult. Please also note that I speak with my hands Sometimes I work with people and by the end of the session I can see they're dizzy because I've just done this the whole time, so please forgive me for expressing myself like that. Okay, so on this board, on this slide, are a whole lot of words. Things like depression, stress, body, PTSD, which is now PTSS, fatigue, trauma, anger, stability, relationships, people. These are words that we would associate with mental health or mental wellness or psychological distress. So I want to ask, is there somebody that can identify a word on the slide that they feel very connected to at the moment? It describes what you're going through or it describes something that you are facing. I'm going to ask my gorgeous, incredible husband to be the Mike Roma. Yes. If you don't want the mic, you can just say it and I'll repeat it. Uh, it's 100% fine. Um, there's actually more than one up there. Absolutely. Um, I've come out of a broken relationship right now. Okay. And my good old friend took me by last night, close to suicide. Okay. Um, depression. Okay. Thank you for sharing. I know it's vulnerable. And I, can I also just take one second? What's your name, sir? Neil. Neil. Thank you for being open, Neil. I probably will trigger stuff in you tonight. 
And if that happens, there are a few awesome coffee shops down the road. I would encourage you to grab a friend and go and debrief. But don't be alarmed if a lot of feelings come up, okay? Because that's sometimes what happens. So, Neil, you said depression, broken relationships. Is there another brave soul that can tell me what they connect with at the moment? Yes, ma'am. My gorgeous husband, he used to be a sprinter before he became a muscle-bearing creature. So you have to be a bit faster, babe. Um, there's quite a lot, but I think the one that resonates with me right now is sadness. Sadness, yes. I just lost a friend okay. on Sunday. Um, I'm sorry. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. What's your name? Nozipo. Nozipo. Okay. Thank you for that. I also know that... It's difficult to speak about. So on that slide, all of us, I think, can connect with a word or a few words because we have gone through things in which we have felt depressed or we have felt panic or we have even perhaps felt suicidal at times. So the one thing that unites us in this room, there are many things that unite us, but one thing that most definitely unites us in this common room is the fact that as people, we all have pain, correct? There is no one in this room, including myself, who cannot relate to deep pain. And that's something that unites us, which means that it's something that should hold us together as well. If our pain is common to all of us, it's something that should pull us towards each other, not away from each other. Okay, I'll come back to that. Oh, by the way, this is the, the slide that millennials, the millennials chose these words. I found out the other day that I made the millennial bracket by one year. I don't know if I should be happy or scared. <laughs> Says my husband who's seven years older than me. Thank you, babe. So the next slide are some more words that I found, um, not necessarily associated with millennials, but definitely with life. And don't we all know that word stress really well? You know how they say um, men have like 2,000 words a day, women have maybe 2 million. And I'm sure if we just took those 2,000 and those 2 million, we would hear the word stress regardless of who you are and what environment you find yourself in. But we can relate to stress because life can be incredibly stressful. Family, children, headache... <laughs> Can't sleep, promotion, relocation, deadlines, divorce, neighbors, new home, change, tension, work. We all know what that space feels like, and it can be overwhelming. That's why stress isn't a really big um, font. So again, these are things that unite us, because these are things that we can all relate to. With the word brokenness, this image that will come on now is an image that I will circle back to by the end of this evening. But I think that often, when we face incredibly challenging circumstances, there's a sense of being broken. There's a sense of, I am broken. My life has fallen apart. I am... People will often use the word... Isn't that a precious sound? People will often use the word shattered. I am shattered which literally means you feel as if your life is in a thousand pieces. And that can happen quickly. It can be 
the passing of a, a dear friend. It can be the, a broken relationship. It can be a missed opportunity. But that feeling of being shattered, can you raise your hand if you know what that feels like? I do. That feeling of being shattered is, is an overwhelming one because the question when we feel like that is how do I put these pieces back together? That's one of the questions that we might have. And another question would be, what do I do with this? Can it be put back together? And by the end of today, I want to be able to dialogue around putting those pieces back together. So, Ones spoke about um, the fact that I have four kids, which I do. But one of my children doesn't live with me. He lives in heaven. And he passed away in 2013. He was very sick, um, unexpectedly sick, and he didn't make it. And so my husband and I and our other three children have had to journey through this process for the last four going on five years. And I'm telling you this because I, I often think that we look at other people and we think they don't have problems or they don't have pain or they don't understand. I get that in my room often. And unfortunately, because, you know, there's like professional boundaries in place and stuff, I can't necessarily say to somebody, this is my life story, this is what I've gone through, that would be inappropriate. But I don't want us to look at one another and assume that we are better than or different than or we are spared from pain. We all in this room deal with pain and all of us at some time or another have felt like that broken pot, shattered, everything has left us. I would like to ask you at this point for a volunteer, please. Don't worry. It's safe. I'm safe. Yes, sir, thank you. And I'm going to... Baby, can you put my stones on the platform for me, please? <laughs> I'm going to be stoned. <laughs> um, can I ask you to stand on that platform for me? What's your name? Bonza. Okay, so Bonza, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, but if, this is, if, if I explain it to you and you suddenly realize I shouldn't have put up my hand, then just you allowed to bow out and I'll choose another victim, okay? <laughs> I mean to say another volunteer, of course. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a little bit about your life. Can I have the roaming mic? And um, Jan, you're actually going to have to hold the mic for him, if that's okay, because we're going to use both hands. Um, that's okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, can you tell me a few experiences that you've had or that you currently have that feel painful for you? You can use... Words like depression, you know, those words we just put up on the board, or you can use life circumstances. And then I would like to ask you if you can please put your hands out like this, and then I will, as you speak, I'm going to demonstrate. So can you give me a um, few? There's quite a lot, but I'll just quote what uh, was on Facebook recently uh, from my wife. Uh, she was sharing that she wanted to watch Wakanda, uh, but at the moment, we can't afford that. So I'm not sure which word I can use, sad. Uh, okay. May I write sad? Does that? Yeah, in small letters, but 
small letters. Because <laughs> it's only a little bit of sad. Okay. That is so funny. Okay. Sadness. What would you call that situation that you found yourself in when you weren't able to do what you wanted to do? Would we say financial challenge or what, what word makes sense for you? Yeah, I'll, I'll use that. Okay. Yeah. I knew I was going to be stoned here. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only type of stone that you're allowed to be in church though, ne? Okay, so financial challenges. Can you give me one or two more words, like difficult circumstances? Do you have children? One. Okay, so you can even bring that in if you would like to. Um, one that I can think of is um, the recent passing of my mom. Okay. Mm. I'm sorry, that is a difficult thing. Yeah, you can write hectic. Okay. Yeah. Hectic. Do you mind if I give you a, a rock that says grief? Yeah. Because that is what you were experiencing, hey? Incredible grief and loss. What else are some of the challenges that you find yourself thinking about or facing? Most of the time, it has to do with money. Um, so, financial challenges. So, you can actually give me a very big rock. Okay. <laughs> when you are in a situation where the financial challenge makes itself obvious, what are some of the feelings that you have with that? Um, it's, it's guilt um, because I blame myself for that. Um, okay. You need more words. If, you, if, you've got, yeah. if you've got some. I've got guilt and blame here because those are two. Is it getting difficult to carry? Yeah, it is. Um, the other one is... Um, Maybe just a, a harder one, um, like loser. Um, mm. That's the kind of one that we use. Mm. Um, that would be like a word that, that you have in your mind yeah. that you call yourself. When you're failing to do something, actually especially for your family. Yeah. Um, Can I use failure as well? Uh, loser is fine. Okay. <laughs> Are you afraid of failure? No not no. okay what about fear do you have fear at times um, uh, the fear that I have um, it's because of an event that happened like two years ago okay um, but um, other than that I, I don't think I struggle with fear okay uh, so that situation that happened two years ago sometimes comes to mind more often often yeah. Good, so I'm going to give you a rock for that because if it comes to mind often, then it takes up space, eh? It's something you carry. I've got two hands. And? What do you want, how do you want to finish that sentence? Is it heavy? Yeah. But I still feel like I, I can handle it. <laughs> okay. Great job. Good. Yeah. <clears throat> So when you said failing your family, what you were actually speaking about is responsibility, hey? Mm -hmm. 
do you have responsibilities? No, a lot. And do you feel that they, they weigh on you at times? Every time. Every time. Okay. I'm running out of space now, so... I think we're running out of rocks. Oh, I've got a whole bucket full. Are you running out of space to hold your rocks? Yeah. Is it heavy? It is. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Okay. Would you be able to do much with your hands at the moment? Not much. Okay. Who? Because we could give more and more rocks here, right? I mean, I could carry on for quite a few hours. Is there somebody that is willing to help us with a scenario? It's heavy. He's struggling to carry it. So what do we need to do? What, what does the solution become? Okay, so would somebody mind? Thanks, AJ. So you can pick a few. Is it me? I actually like that question. Which one do you want me to carry? That was a really powerful question. Because AJ's right. He actually cannot carry certain rocks. So he may not be able to carry financial challenge. But he, he asked, which one can I carry? Let me take that. Is there another one? Blame. Which one? Blame. Blame. Are you willing to carry that one? Okay. So what does it feel like for you, firstly, to have AJ standing next to you? Okay, it's very encouraging and it makes the load much lighter. Do you feel um, less lonely up there? Do you feel supported? What, what does it feel like to have him stand next to you? It actually feels better um, that I can still give him more rocks. And like, like when you're talking about grief, is this one? Um, you're hugging me strong. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay though? Yeah, no, no. Okay. Okay. What does it feel like for you, AJ? Um, so, how it, it feels. Good, mm -hmm. because the roles can be reversed. So, mm. so for me, it's a good exercise. Um, makes me feel proud that someone is vulnerable mm. um, and willing to ask for help. Mm. So, I think that's those are the kind of feelings I get mm. in, the, in this context. Yeah. Can I ask you? Did you know about all of these rocks before I did this exercise this evening? Um, so I knew about financial challenges, mm -hmm. didn't know about grief, I didn't know that he thought of himself as a loser mm. and the blame. So, mm. yeah, I kind of knew a root, but not the, mm. not the symptom. So you, what you're also saying is you didn't realize the extent of what he was carrying. Yeah, definitely didn't. Yeah. How do I spell your name? E-O-N-Z-A. V O N Z A Z A. I know how to spell AJ. 
So I'm going to ask you if you would mind putting these on the floor for me. There are many ways that we can pack them on the floor, and I'll get to that. Oh, thanks. But I'm going to give you a rock that says Bonza, and I'm going to give you a rock that says AJ. I want you guys to keep those rocks, to remember this exercise, to remember the feeling that you had when I wrote all of those things on the rocks, what it felt like, what it felt like to carry it, and what it felt like for you, AJ, to hear the things that you didn't know before and to stand alongside Bonza. And, and as you were saying, this could be reciprocal. So I could do the same exercise now with you. I won't for the sake of time, but both of you would have a burden that could be lighter if shared. Okay. Thank you for volunteering. I know that's not necessarily easy. So I think, I think sometimes we don't realize what other people carry. You wouldn't have realized what I carry unless I'd told you this evening. I, I don't know what you carry in your heart, in your life. I don't know what you face. Um, but I think you probably feel differently about me now than when I first stood up after you heard a small part of my story because it makes me accessible and it makes you know that there, where the pain is in my heart. And it's the same in relationship. If I know what you're carrying, if I know your load, where are you now, Bonza? At the back. My heart, I, I will never see you and think of you in the same way again because we shared quite a raw few minutes. And so me being allowed into that sacred space of yours is a privilege for me. And it's a privilege for one another when you are allowed into that space and when you understand what another person is carrying. But so often, the rocks are not visible because we hide them. Like we, everything is fine and I'm good and I'm busy. I think that's a Pretoria, I'm busy, 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 busy. But we don't understand what's underneath that busyness. And this is also what we do. We, we do this. Hey, how are you? Chilled. Fine. Cool. We all say that. Actually, if somebody says to you, if I say, how are you doing? And you say, not so well. There's like a... <laughs> people pause. They didn't expect that answer. They expected the traditional, I'm doing well, I'm doing fine. So as soon as somebody actually says, I'm not doing so well, we also have a moment of panic. What do I do with this? What do I say? Where do I go? Um, and it would be great if we could be more vulnerable and more open with one another so that we can see what somebody is carrying instead of just assuming that they don't carry anything or not they don't carry much. So these things that we said on the next slide, these words often make us feel broken, but I want us to remember that we share brokenness with the people alongside us, and that when you're sharing the load, it feels significantly lighter than when you have to carry it by yourself. That's why I asked them, how do you feel doing this? How does AJ feel? How does it change the way you see one another? Because it does change how we interact. The other thing about pain, do I have a doctor or a nurse in the, 
audience. Yeah, like a medical doctor or a nurse. Are you a doctor? Can you please come and join me? What's your first name? Okay, Dr. Simpiwe, I want you to come stand with me. I'm going to stand over here. Can I have the mic, please, babe? Will you? I want you to tell us, is pain a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. Okay. You, do you want to take the mic? Can you tell us why you think it's a good thing? Because it helps you react. Good, yeah, it helps you react. Mm. Why else, if you were seeing a patient, mm. why would you be pretty relieved that they could tell you they were in pain? Because you know where the problem is. Mm. So do you see pain as a communication then? So if I come to you and say, oh, doctor, my throat is sore. Mm. Is that, does that help you? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. If I could not tell you where pain was, would I, would I, would I live long? Not really. Yeah. Like if, I, <laughs> if I put my hand on a stove and I don't have pain and I just leave my hand there, mm-hmm. would you as my doctor be proud of me or very concerned about me? Very concerned. Yeah. So by not registering pain, what would I cause to myself? A lot of damage to your hand. Good, a lot of damage mm-hmm. and a lot, probably a lot more pain, even mm-hmm. though I can't feel pain, but that would be what would happen. Mm-hmm. So pain for you is something that actually makes your job easier. Yeah, it does. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks, Doc. So what, what she is saying to me is pain is not a bad thing. Pain is a communication. If you're a medical doctor and somebody says, I have pain here, 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 you can treat them because you understand what the problem is, correct? So we are very quick as people to be like, oh, my back, oh, my head, oh, my throat. We put in sick days for that kind of thing. But let our hearts, our emotional hearts be breaking and we won't speak about the pain. Then the pain is off limits, often. Not always, but often. So pain is critically important for your physical body but it is critically important for who you are in terms of your psychological wellness. Because if I don't register pain on a psychological level, if I don't acknowledge it, if I don't work with it, the pain will become increasingly worse. And the destruction caused to me, psychologically, spiritually, physically, do you see patients with what we would um, use the word somatoform disorders? So sometimes people are in such desperate psychological pain, such deep psychological pain, that their body shows that pain. Headaches. We even have um, people that think they're having heart attacks, and they're not. Do I have other psychologists in the audience? Social workers? Okay. So pain, if you feel pain psychologically, It's a communication to you. And we need to take that communication seriously. I'm not advocating for us to kind of run riot with our pain and kind of, you know, dwell in it every possible second that we can. We also need to be functional, but we need to register what our spirits and our hearts are saying to us about the spaces that we are in. If you have a question that's like really burning, and you want to ask me, please do. 
So, do you feel brave enough to speak about your pain at the moment, or should I choose someone else? Yeah. It's not simple, eh? Are you sure? Okay, I'll stand with you. Okay. Okay, so, when we speak about pain, which Nozipo was I- is in, correct? Why am I speaking in the roaming mic? That's embarrassing. You should have told me. Baby. Oh. Okay, you guys can add that to your list of things that you want to give me feedback on. I'm blushing. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. So, I want to ask you, what do you, what are you feeling at the moment? What is your heart feeling with this very, very tragic loss for you? Um, I feel, I think I'm still shocked, but uh, I feel helpless. Mm. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Mm. I, I think I'm just too shocked. Mm. I just didn't see this coming at this age. Yeah. Yeah. So it's overwhelming, hey? And what you said to me when you were sitting there is that you've, it's a sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very deep pain. Yeah. A very deep um, kind of ache. Mm-hmm. So can, is it safe for me to write pain here? Yeah. Okay. If you look at this and you see that you are feeling a huge amount of pain, at the loss of your friend. Why do you feel pain? What did your friend mean to you? Um, you know, we shared a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been friends since I was a... Uh, actually met her through a, um, a friend of mine. So we met through a friend and we kind of connected. Like we share so many memories, like my young adulthood. Um, she's been part of that and... You know, she's always been the life of the party, somebody who just takes over, you know, the atmosphere. She's, she was so giving and so warm. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I, I don't remember the question. I'm sorry. Mm. What do you feel? Um, you obviously feel something for her. Yeah. I loved her. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So when I look at your pain like this, if I turn it around... You felt what for her? You said it now, love. I'm going to write that here. Do you want to tell me your name? Uh, Peggy. So you feel pain at missing Peggy because you feel incredible love for her. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. So for as long... Babe, can you take the mic for me? You don't have to hold it. Can I put my arm around you? Is that okay? Okay. So what I want to tell you is that for as long as you love Peggy, you will miss her. Hey, you're missing her, and the pain that you feel is a testament to how much you loved her. Because often we can only have pain like that if we had deep love. So when you remember her and you remember, you feel this pain, I also want you to remember 
that you feel the pain because you feel the love for her. And you will always love her. And we will honor her. So I do honor her with you tonight. Okay? And I honor you because it's really brave to allow me to use um, your story to illustrate this. But you can feel that love for her, hey? So I don't want you to be afraid of the pain. I don't want you to push it down or to try and make too much sense of it. You feel pain because on the other side of your pain, you feel love. And that is a privilege to have loved her. Okay. And we do honor her, and I do honor you. So I want you to keep this because I want you to remember where the pain comes from and when it's overwhelming, that it's because you loved and you still love. Okay. You are super brave. <laughs> I told you I was going to be let us be vulnerable tonight because that's exactly what Nazipa was saying. She feels pain because she felt love. And that is the thing about us as people. We have stress, we have unhappiness, we have pain because we have the opposite of those things. We have joy, we have celebration, we have love, we have intimacy, we have hope, we have the full spectrum of human experience available to us, which is a gift. She would not feel pain unless she'd had love. And so when we feel these really difficult, really painful feelings, we have to ask ourselves, what is on the other side of that? Because there's a context. So if you feel pain, it's because you felt love. If you feel disappointment, it's because you felt hope. And those are painful tensions. That's a tension. I love my son, so therefore I miss him deeply. That's a, it's a painful tension to carry for us as people. And that is why we need to carry it in community. Because if I had not called Nzipo up, if I hadn't had that moment, she would go home tonight feeling something different. We have to carry this tension with one another and make sense of it in community. Otherwise, the load becomes very heavy to bear. Unfortunately, though, there's also a stigma with pain. And as Orne said, I am a PhD candidate, so what I've done is I've looked at, for my research, what is the interface between mental health and religion spirituality from a Christian perspective. So where do they converge and where do they diverge? And I was fascinated, having interviewed 11 pastors, to hear that within our church communities and within communities of friends and people, we still stigmatize pain. We say things like, I did something wrong. Blame. You said blame. You also said um, guilt. I have done something wrong. Often depression or anxiety, people say, it's my failure. I didn't trust enough. I didn't have enough faith. We stigmatize pain. I am broken. Now, I know we've used that terminology tonight. When I hear the word broken in my um, work, if you had to say to me tonight, I am broken, 
I would immediately challenge that word. Because I don't believe that pain and brokenness makes you broken. I believe it makes you human. So when you say, I am broken, my heart then will break. Because I think, no, you're not broken. You are in despair, you're in distress, you are in pain. It's human experience. Unless you are healthy, you are not blessed. The prosperity um, kind of teachings coming through there. A pastor said to me, mental health feels like AIDS in my church. It's not easy to stand up in church and say that I have got AIDS or that I have depression. That was the parallel that they drew, mental health and, and physical health. That's how much they feel stigmatized in their church groups. I am weak. I hear that all the time. This is weakness. Depression is weakness. Anxiety is weakness. Temptation, etc. People are good at wearing masks. This is also a pastor who said this. And pretending that everything is okay until it explodes and then it's too late. Now, if Bonza had been with me and if I had carried on piling on the rocks and he I was almost hoping that he would draw a line in the sand with me and say, that's enough, because he was struggling to carry it. If I'd carried on piling on those rocks, he would have eventually dropped them, and then it would have been too late for us to have shared them with AJ because they would have been dropped. This is due, this is something that, that people think, my pain or my depression or my anxiety or whatever is due to unconfessed sin, a lack of faith or not, not trusting God. Now, that's not my area. That's why we have very clever people like Orne on the theological, spiritual side. But there's obviously a, an interface. Sometimes there are natural consequences to decisions that we make. So I, I don't have a problem with that. But me dealing with a, a, a depression that has a physiological basis, that's not because I have done something wrong. Our bodies don't function the way they were supposed to in the original creation. So our bodies, our bodies are also broken. Okay, they are, they are faulty at times. This is something that I need to get over by myself. I don't like gender generalizations, but men, that statement I hear most often from guys. No, this is just something I need to work through myself, you're not allowed to um, nudge or point at people because then I see things that I shouldn't see. So that, that statement, men, that statement says, I can deal with it. And we can't. You weren't created to be an island. You were created to be in relationship. That's how God made us. When I hear a man say that in my office, the first thing I do is this. <laughs> Thanks, Oni. Because within 10 minutes, that gentleman, the pain will have overflowed and he will need to allow it to come through. We don't need to deal with things by ourselves. That's when arms break because of the load being too heavy. I also want to tell you that pain waxes and wanes. Okay? So... This is a graph that I um, was very proud of myself for putting together on MS Word. <laughs> yes, because I'm really technologically challenged, as you saw with two mics. Perfect moment. I'll never forget that. But what happens with pain? 
For instance, Nosipo, myself, or even you, you said your mom passed away recently, Bonza, with that pain, at times, if the red line is everyday living, this is my everyday experience, this is who I am, etc., etc., what happens with pain is sometimes it's beneath the surface. Okay? So here's me living every day, and here's my pain. Sometimes it breaks through. At the most random of times, you don't expect it to break through, and it just breaks through. The other thing I hear all the time is, I thought I was over this. I thought I dealt with it. Who can resonate with that sentence? I thought I was over it. I thought I dealt with it. You were over it for the period of time within which the pain had gone beneath the surface. But there are triggers that actually get um, coded in the brainstem, in the very kind of fight, flight, freeze, faint response area of our brains. There are triggers. And sometimes your pain will get triggered. It's like a little dolphin. It goes underneath and then suddenly it comes up and then it goes underneath and then it comes up again. And when it comes up, we get a fright. Like, oh, what's happening here? That is the process of pain. It is the most normal process of pain for it to go underground for a while and then to pop up at times. I can testify to that. I can be fine or um, let me rather say unemotional for a few months and on April the 26th when it's his birthday, I know that that pain is going to shoot through. Sometimes you don't know. You're driving in your car, you've had a great day and suddenly what we would call intrusive pain, the pain just hits you from the side and takes you, takes the breath out of you. This is normal and this is good because for as long as you love somebody, you will feel their loss. You will feel the pain of not having them with you. Not just loss. If you've been the victim of crime, sometimes it's underneath the surface and then it just pops through. Post-traumatic stress syndrome. So don't be alarmed when your pain pops out. But when it pops out in that moment, don't allow it to be witnessed by only you. Let somebody else witness it with you. The more you can share those moments with other people and process it, the longer the intervals are between when it will come out again. In the beginning of trauma or pain or loss or disappointment, these little um, waves are very close to one another. As time goes on, the waves stretch a little bit further apart, but they don't necessarily disappear. And remember when it comes up, it's a reflection of either somebody that you loved or something that you lost or something that was painful for you. So don't get a fright, but please do share it with other people. That's the process of pain. So we've looked at the stigma of pain. We've looked at the process of pain. What's the purpose of pain? Do you know that in my research, looking at psychology and theology alongside one another, I was horrified to have to come to the realization that psychology does not have an answer for suffering. We don't. We do not have an answer for suffering. I can help you make sense of it. I can help you find meaning. I can help you navigate through it. I can assist in suffering, but I do not have an answer for suffering, not in the world of psychology. We find answers to suffering in the worlds of theology and what we believe as Christians, but not in the world of psychology. 
So the purpose of pain is that it communicates something to us. When you're devastated because of a broken relationship, you want to be in relationship. When you are devastated by being the victim of a crime, something has been taken from you. Something has been changed fundamentally within you. When you are on the receiving end of prejudice, it communicates something to you. It communicates that this is an injustice. So pain is a communicator. Ask yourself when you feel pain, what is this pain communicating? Because it will reveal something about who you are. It will reveal something about your life and what you believe about your life. And it will reveal something to you about what is important to you. And sometimes the things that need to change. Purpose gives meaning. Ah, pain gives meaning. I... I've changed fundamentally as a person, as a wife, as a mother, as a clinician, after having gone through what I went through. There is meaning in pain. You do not come out on the other side of pain the same person as who you were when you entered that pain. And when you are in the midst of that pain and you are entering and navigating through it, that is the point at which you need people to draw alongside you. Because if I am walking next to you in pain... Can I borrow you? Okay. You and I are about to enter pain, and we want to come out on the other side. Okay. There are two ways that we can come out on the other side. I can walk alongside you, okay, and I can bring you safely through that passage of pain. Okay. Or you are going to walk that alone, and when you stumble or when you fall, there will be no one there to catch you. And the danger with that, if you fall here and there's no one to catch you, is you may well stay there. Because there's no one that draws alongside you and says, what's your name? Lee. Lee, come. There's no one that draws alongside you and carries you, picks you up, that picks you up and carries you through. There's no one, there's nothing. And if you stay in that place, and if you get stuck there, you will not move through the pain to the other side of it. So when you're in the pain, thank you, Lee, and when you are navigating through the pain, that is your critical period. Somebody has to walk alongside you. Warning. Sometimes we feel pain, for instance, in relationship. If somebody continuously hurts you in relationship, sometimes you need to take stock of that relationship. And you need to be aware of the fact that this may be a warning that the relationship is destructive. Sometimes pain serves as a warning, like having your hand on the stove and pulling it away. Why do we pull away? Because it's painful. If I leave my hand on that stove, my hand will be destroyed. It's the same psychologically. Figure out whether or not your pain is acting as a warning. Sometimes it protects you. Pain protects. I believe God protects us through pain sometimes too, especially interpersonally. It gives you a story. There's always a story in pain, always. And often it's a testimony. Often it's something that you end up sharing with other people. If, if Lee falls down here, and I don't know what it feels like to fall in the middle of pain, and I do, 
then I'm not going to rush to her assistance. I'm going to stand here and say, oh, Lee, come, come. You can do this. Sometimes we even use what I call Christianese. God is with you. God's grace is sufficient. And those things are true. I'm a living testimony of it. But when you are standing on the outside and you're saying it to somebody to like placate them, it's not helpful. When you go to that person and you say, Lee, if I came down to your level, Lee, God's grace is sufficient. I know because I fell here. That feels different, right? So often your pain enables you to run to the pain of another person. I'm not going to ask for a volunteer, so you can skip ahead. Thanks. I think people are probably going to be pretty scared to put up their hands. (laughs) So I want us to remember that your life is full of pebbles. Pebbles of pain, pebbles of joy, pebbles of exhilaration and excitement. But whether it's a pebble of happiness or whether it's a pebble of pain, so whatever side you're on, yours was pain, nocipo, and love. Whatever side of the pebble you are on, this is what human experience is. I said to somebody the other day, a new, um, it was a family who are, they were in the Catholic Church and now they've um, left the Catholic Church and they've given their lives to the Lord. And she said something to me like, um, I gave my life to God and, and still bad things happened. Do you know what my kind of response in that was? is that it's not whether or not bad things will still happen after you've given your life to the Lord, because that's human experience. Bad things happen, or painful things, let me rather say. I don't like the word bad, because I believe, like I'm not always supposed to judge what's bad and what's good. So painful things happen, whether you saved, whether you've given your life to the Lord or not. The question is, when those painful things happen, who navigates you through it? Do you get navigated alone? Or is your community of faith, your trust in God, is that part of what navigates you through it? Because I would far rather be navigated through these kinds of things with God, that's just my personal belief system, than without Him. So if you want to be, if you want to have the gift of being a person, we have to take some of the more painful experiences alongside some of the really great experiences. So how do we communicate pain? We communicate pain by shared experience. We have to share with one another. We communicate pain through accountability. We are made for relationship. God created Adam. It was not good that Adam was alone, so he gave him Eve. We are created for relationship. God was in relationship with Adam. Adam was in relationship with Eve. We are created for intimacy for relational intimacy. So we need to create that because it's how God designed us. Be accountable. If you're going through something, have somebody that walks alongside you because you know what? Sometimes in our pain, we also excuse behavior that we shouldn't excuse. So I'm all for pain. Like, but I'm also all for responsibility and how you manage your pain still remains your responsibility. If I'm in pain and I discharge that on my husband, I didn't take responsibility in my pain. 
So understanding your pain or your pain and walking alongside you, that's why accountability is important, is not the same as enabling the ways we deal with that pain. You still have a responsibility to deal with it in a way that is um, fair to yourself and to the people around you. That's why you need wisdom and counsel from other people. And that's why you also need connection so that one another, AJ and Wanza, can say to one another, I'm going to help you carry this, but in terms of that, I think this would be wise for you. That's about honesty and vulnerability. I have a mentor. She knows me as a wife, as a mother, as a professional, and I often go for coffee with her and I say, okay, Mel, tell me, where am I not quite... I don't want to say meeting the mark, but where do you see areas in my life that you don't think are godly or finding full fruition? We need that. We need to be accountable because there's wisdom in that. So you will have a community for pain. As I said, we're not created to live isolated lives. We have a fundamental need for relationship. A community of people provides a context for healing and for growth. All of you in this room now know about Neil's pain, Bonza's pain, and Nozipo's pain. All of you know, and my pain. So I've created, we have created tonight quite an intimate space where we were vulnerable with that pain. And you will not approach those people in quite the same way, I promise you, from now on. There'll be a difference. You'll keep it in the back of your mind, or you'll reach out in some other way, hopefully. We create communities for pain. And remember, what you don't express, you will act. People don't believe me when I say this, so I monitored it in my own life just to make sure that I was speaking the truth. What I don't express with wisdom and with discernment and with grace, I will end up acting. So, Yanaman says, I'll be home by five after gym. Totally hypothetical. <laughs> it only happened ten times. <laughs> Yanni walks through the door 20 past five because there was a situation. Wendy thinks, you should have been home by now, so I'm seething within. Again, totally hypothetical. (laughs) And instead of saying, baby, what happened? Why were you late? I I was expecting you at five, and this part I I promise is hypothetical. Ten minutes later, I'm taking a frying pan, and I'm throwing it in his direction, and I can't understand why. Because what I don't express, I end up often acting on. So make sure that you're expressing things in a healthy way. Not every single tiny little thing. I think we also have to have like a big capacity for life is hard and relationships. We need to have grace for one another. But the big things, the big things do need to be communicated. Otherwise, they explode down the line and immeasurable pain is caused when things explode that could have been dealt with much earlier on if we were just honest with one another. So find the space within within which to be honest, and to express the things that are deeply hurtful or painful for you. And find fellow pebbles, people that know what it feels like to carry some of the same things that you carry. Obviously, as um, Ones said, I am um, a Christian, and the Lord is a huge part of our lives. I'm at 3CI um, in terms of church. And so... This scripture that I found in the Amplified, obviously I love the Amplified because I'm a shrink and we're all about lots of words. So the more words, the merrier. 
Um, but there really are a lot of words in this translation, so just forgive me. But I think sometimes we also need to just go back to the basics. If you believe in the Lord and he is part of your life, he's your savior, then sometimes the basics are to take your pain to him before you even share it with others. And I would, I would say that's probably the order in which you should do it. I'll let you comment on that later. But that's the order I think we should do it. That's like the biblical order. So when you are dealing with pain, remember who is the carrier. Ultimately, who is the carrier of the pain? You have community, and that's wonderful, and we need to invest in that. But you also need to be able to pray your pain. People often say to me, like, what, what does that even mean, pray your pain? I mean, if you look at Lamentations, if you look at Psalms, it's like raw. God, how could you turn your face on me? How could you bring destruction? Even Job. If you, if you read the word, there was a raw honesty in people's pain. And I think you can pray that. Obviously, respectfully, you're praying that. You're saying, Lord, I, am, I don't understand this. It's painful. It's hard. So pray your pain vertically, not just horizontally. Because much of your healing will come from the vertical channel, not, not only from the horizontal channel. So when we're looking at the healing of pain, you have, as I said, Christ, you have your community, you have family, you have professionals, you have friends. When you share your pain, there's no definitive time. Sometimes you need to share it later on, you need to process it. Sometimes you need to share it immediately. Sometimes you need to share it continuously. So you might be fine today, but like a year from now, something triggers and that pain comes up again before it goes under. That's when you would share your pain. You would balance an openness in how you communicate. We also balance grief with moving forward. While we're grieving, we also have to take steps forward. So when I'm sad and when I'm broken, if I stand still, I can't, I can't move forward with my life. I can move forward while I feel pain and grief. You can actually still move forward. And sometimes I think that we think that when we have these big emotions, they must direct the direction in which we go. And that's not, that's not always right. So just because I'm angry with Jan doesn't mean I'm going to go with that anger. We actually still have choice. Just because I'm desperately sad doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to scream at everybody in my environment. So you can have feelings and still step in a constructive direction. Your feelings don't always have to position you. If there are times in which you cannot get out of bed, either you're eating too much or you're eating too little, drinking excessively, you've turned to drugs, you cannot move through your moods, you just stay there, you feel as if it's completely out of your control, and there are, there are a few times when that could be the case, if you're constantly tearful. The, the distinguishing factor for us as professionals is, is your... Um, pain or your mood or whatever you're dealing with, is your psychological distress impairing your functioning? So if you can't work, you can't function in relationships, you can't drive, you can't wash yourself, you can't get out of bed, then we need to start looking at a professional intervention. Or if you just feel like you definitely cannot carry on with life, 
those are the times that I would say we would need to to step step up your um, support and include a professional. Nightmares that don't go away, flashing images that don't go away, those are things that we we can help with from a professional perspective. So watch out for those things, just in terms of determining when you need um, professionals to be part of that. Remember, as I said in this next picture, your life is made up of lots of little pebbles. So this is part of your story. The sad ones, the happy ones, they all become part of the landscape of your life. You create your life with all these little pebbles. So don't resent them. Work with them. Work with them in the best possible way, whether it's pain or whether it's joy. Because when we sit with brokenness, or we feel like we shattered, you can give me the next image, thank you. When this is what we feel, that brokenness, that complete shattering of who we are, spiritually, psychologically, in whatever way, we often feel as if we will not be put back together again. And I want to say that with, with taking everything we've said into context tonight, and I could only skim the surface, what I believe about pain, if you can give me the next slide, please, is that we do get put back together. There is a way to rebuild what feels as if it's been shattered. This is a tradition, I think in Japan, if I remember correctly, when something breaks, they put it back together with gold. That blows my mind. Because for me, that's a spiritual representation of the fact that our pain and our suffering and our difficulties do not remain in pieces on the floor. We get them put back with gold. And that is a beautiful picture. That is something that we would look at that we would put in our house because the gold is of value. No pain here is wasted because when I put gold into it, that is of more value. This pot is of more value with the gold in it than it was when it was without gold. And our pain brings value into our lives, especially if we can navigate through it in a helpful way. So when you're sitting with that feeling, I want you to remember this image. I want you to remember that we have, we have a savior that puts us back together with gold. There's purpose in our pain. There's a community that would put us back together like this. And that you will see that those parts in your life that were so painful and were so raw and caused such devastation have actually produced something of incredible beauty and incredible worth. So that's how I want us to see pain. Not the broken jar, but the restored, redeemed jar that is laced with gold. Because that's what pain is. So in closing, I'd like to know if I can just pray for everyone that's here. And then I'm going to hand back to you on if that's fine. So let's just close our eyes if you don't mind. Lord, I just want to thank you for every single person that is in this room tonight, Lord. I want to thank you that you are all-knowing and that we sit here not knowing the pain of the people that are next to us, Lord, necessarily, but you do. And Father, I want to thank you that you are the great healer and that you are the one that puts back together with gold. And I want to thank you, Lord, that we can trust you for each person in this room 
each person who feels shattered and broken in pieces on the floor tonight, Lord, I want to trust that somehow you will give them the tools and the insight and the wisdom and the counsel and the community that is needed to weave this gold back into their lives. I thank you that that is who you are, and I thank you that that is available to us. And I just entrust these precious people into your hands tonight, Lord. Amen.